Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again. Welcome to this Wednesday, the the Wednesday and the fourth week of Easter. I'm Josh Raymond along with you today. And so glad that you have joined us here on The Inner Life. Uh, to start off, all this week we've been praying for all of our intentions together. Uh, so many of you have emailed in your prayer requests, your intentions, as we are participating in a novena to St. Joseph leading up to this Saturday, May 1st. That's the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And so those of you who have written in so far, I uh, don't have time to respond to every email that we receive, but just know that I have read through those, and so we're uniting all those different prayer requests, those different intentions. And if you have something that you'd like prayed for, it's still not too late. Um, You could send that through if you'd like that included. Of course, you can include it just in your own uh, heart as we pray together here. Uh, But if you want to email those intentions, I won't share them on the air. They'll be confidential. And the email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. And the prayer that I'm using, you can find it on the Relevant Radio app. And if you open up the app in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see that pray icon And in the menu, when you tap on Pray, you'll see Devotions. When you click on Devotions, that'll take you to where you can find that Novena Prayer to St. Joseph. So right now, let's join together as we approach St. Joseph, asking for his intercession for all of those different intentions that you have, whatever's on your heart, whatever's in your mind, uh, the loved ones that you're praying for, maybe it's something for yourself, and we'll join together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, and so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession, and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me, and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, if you'd like to include any intentions, you're welcome to email those here, innerlife at relevantradio.com, as we look ahead to this Saturday, the the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And today, as we begin the program, let me ask you, how are your eyes? Do you have that perfect vision? Do you, uh, are you able to see anything up close, far away? Or do you wear glasses, or maybe you wear contacts? If you do have perfect vision, Well, enjoy it while it lasts. As we all get older, eyesight starts wearing out. But there's a woman I know, Carla, and as a young mother, she ended up receiving a call from her daughter's elementary school. Her oldest child, Bonnie, 
was in the first grade, and the school had said that she might need glasses. The school nurse had done some initial screening and determined that it would be good for Bonnie to see an eye doctor. And so Carla, she scheduled an appointment for Bonnie. They saw the doctor. They ordered some new glasses for little Bonnie. And when the glasses arrived, Carla took Bonnie, and they went and picked him up at the doctor's office. There they ended up doing some minor adjustments to fit them for Bonnie. And Carla and Bonnie, they left, they got walked out, they got in the car, and Carla started to drive home. But on the way, little Bonnie, sitting in the back seat of the car, she said out loud, Mama, that big red sign, S-T-O-P, it says stop. Now, when Carla told me this story, she said at that moment, she felt like a failure as a mother. She hadn't been aware of how poor Bonnie's eyesight was, so poor that Bonnie hadn't even been able to read those big letters on a stop sign while she's sitting in a car, at least not until she was wearing her new glasses. But then thinking about Bonnie and those new glasses, it got me thinking, I wonder how many of us at times are oblivious or unaware of certain things that are around us, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. What might you or what might I be missing that's right in front of us? So maybe we need some spiritual glasses to better examine the things right in front of us. And and that's what we want to talk about today. We want to spend this hour discussing uh, specifically when it comes to our conscience. And so how often do you examine your conscience? Do you know how to examine your conscience? And we're going to have that conversation today with a very regular voice here on The Inner Life, one of our spiritual directors, Father Eric Nielsen. He's the pastor of St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And Father Eric, welcome back to The Inner Life. This is my first chance to talk with you since uh, taking over for Chuck, so I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, how's it going for you so far? Just kind of. I, I think okay. Every time. <laughs> oh, I'm learning lots. Um, but uh, every time somebody asks me that, I always say, "Well, uh, let me ask you if you've listened to the program. How's it going?" So that's always my response. It's <laughs> uh, a great response. It's a great response. <laughs> well, so f- today, Father Eric, we do want to talk about that examination of conscience, and I think when we talk about conscience. Most of us have that general idea of what our conscience is, but I thought it might be good for us to at least uh, start with the definition. From a ch- the Church's standpoint, how does the Church look and define conscience? So, yeah, that's a great question, because a lot of people think your conscience is just how you feel about things, because we live in a world that's very um, orientated towards feelings. In fact, our whole morality has... Um, as a country, is based on our feelings. If we feel good about something, it must be good. If we feel bad about something, it must be bad. So, um, but our conscience is not in our feelings. Our conscience actually resides in our intellect. Now, our feelings might inform our intellect. You know, we feel bad about something, and it informs our intellect that something might be wrong. But it's our intellect that decides whether or not something is wrong or right. You know, if I run over a a, uh, a dog in the street by accident, I'll feel bad about it, but my conscience, my intellect doesn't tell me that it's a sin. While at the same time, I could get mad at somebody and do something evil to them to get back at them, and I could even feel good about it, but at the same time, my intellect is, is telling me that that was something that I did wrong. And so to do a proper examination of conscience, we do not use our feelings, we use our intellect. Pope Benedict would say, you know, that being the Platonist, kind of the Neoplatonic that he is, which comes from Augustine. Augustine was very Platonic. 
that when we're created, um, we're created, you know, with in a certain sense with an image, with the image of God, with an image of truth and good and beauty. And we forget this, you know, through through our creation. I mean, when our soul is created, you know, and then in the body it forgets this, but we still have a memory of it. And our conscience then is when we see something that's not good that we've done or something good that we should have done, it's, we, we have this memory of what the good is and we realize that what I'm doing doesn't match this good. And that would be our conscience. Now, the conscience can be um, developed, right? Because your conscience can grow, be dimmed, grow darkened. If you commit serious sin, it changes your conscience because your intellect is tied to your body and your actions. So if you commit serious sin, and especially if you commit a serious sin that you agree with, then your conscience becomes darkened and um, dulled. And the, the more you do good, the more you go after good, um, the more your conscience um, becomes enlightened and the more sin you see. And that's just to finish this. That's why a lot of times when people first have a conversion, you know, after six months, they're like, wow, you know, I, I'm committing more sins than I did when I first converted. And you have to say, no, you're not. What happened is your conscience has become more clarified and enlightened, and you're just recognizing the sins, just like that story you told about the little girl with the glasses. Well, and so with that, um, you know, you're talking about that conversion that happens, and there's that epiphany that happens shortly afterwards. How about for those of us who have been a Catholic for a long time. We we remember back to that point of our conversion, but maybe we need an, uh, an upgrade on our prescription for those spiritual glasses to look at our conscience. How do we start there and say, do I need to do I need to have my conscience more well formed in a certain area? Is there a certain area that I'm missing out on? Uh, where where do we start with that kind of process? Well, Josh, a good place to start is just to ask your spouse what they think you're committing wrong, <laughs> and they will be able to right. <laughs> give you a great examination of conscience. So it's one of the beauties of having someone you live with very closely for a long period of time. But I'll tell you what happens generally is, yeah, i got to go to confession. You go to confession, you kneel down, and you just, let me see, I've been kind of rude to my pe- people at work, and I got in a big argument with my mother, and um, I've just been kind of lazy with my prayers, you know, so that's kind of, which is not a very good confession because it's very general and it's not really helping you that much. So you want to go into confession with things that are very clear, concise, and concrete, things that I actually did or didn't do. You know, just take the argument you had with your mother that you feel bad about. Well, I mean, maybe she started the argument. Maybe you were making a good point. I mean, maybe you always were, you know, so patient with her. So what you want to do is you want to analyze that arg- argument, take a look at it, and, you know, I really, so the sin would be I spoke sharply with my mother doing an argument. You know, that would be, or even to say, you know, I called my mom stupid, you know, in, a, when in, in the middle of an argument. You know, that would be the sin. You know, I called my mom stupid, or, you know, I didn't, Drop, I, sh- I had a point I was trying to make and I should have dropped it. I, I just held on to it out of my pride. You know, that's a concrete thing that I didn't do. And if you really want to get good at that, just really seeing things that are clear and concrete and have really concrete things that take the confession, 
you're going to want to make an examination of conscience every night before you go to bed. For between three and five minutes, you want to get on your knees, ask your guardian angel to um, enlighten you or ask for a gift of the Holy Spirit, and just really review your day and try to come up with some concrete things and maybe write maybe write a couple of them down so that you'll have a list when you go to confession. And it's not that you say the whole list because you don't know where the priest out but you just say, you know, maybe four or five or half a dozen of the sins that you find most um, most egregious or what you feel most sorry for. Our spiritual director today is Father Eric Nielsen, pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And we're talking about examination of conscience, how we can look at what we're doing in our lives and be able to have that clear sight, that clear spiritual vision to, to know if our conscience is well-formed, those areas that we do need to work on, where we need to improve in our lives. How has doing a regular examination of conscience helped you to be more aware of those areas in your life where you do need to put in that extra effort? Has doing that regular exam, has it helped you to be more disciplined in avoiding sin and growing in holiness? You can give us a call here. Our studio line is open, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email relevantradio.com. We'll continue the conversation right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, we're continuing our conversation about looking at an examination of our consciences and what that means, how we can uh, do that. But we're going to continue that conversation in just a moment. Joining me right now is our executive director here at Relevant Radio, Father Rocky. Many of you know him as a regular voice, uh, especially if you listen to Mass that follows right after this program. Uh, and, of course, on the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central here every uh, every night. I was going to say every weeknight, but it's uh, seven nights a week, isn't it, Father, that uh, it sure is. we're praying the rosary yeah, together? 7 p.m. every night of the week, Central Time. And a shout-out to Father Eric Nielsen there. I know I've been listening to your show here the last couple of minutes, Father Eric, so thank you. Made a little time for me. I wanted to jump onto the shows this week to let people know that the Walk to Mary is coming up this Saturday, and it's an annual event on the first Saturday of the month of May, and um, we've been doing it now for close to 10 years, ever since the bishop approved the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help out there, and I want to encourage everybody to get out there. Now, earlier in the week, I was on another show, and I asked the audience, um, if you can't come, that's okay. Um, do something for Our Lady that day, but try to say Hail Mary every day this week to Our Lady of Fair Skies so we have good weather. (laughs) And people said, did you just make up that name? I said, no, I didn't just make it up. I made it up 10 years ago, and it's worked ever since. So I just looked. We just, you and I both looked here on the Weather Channel app, and it's going to be sunny, 75 degrees, and no rain. So this is going to be a perfect day to take a walk in the beautiful countryside of central Wisconsin from the National Shrine of St. Joseph at the College of St. Norbert in De Pere, Wisconsin, all the way out to the Shrine of Our Lady Good Help, which is the only uh, approved apparition of the Blessed Mother 
in the whole United States of America. Now, I know there's people of you listening right now in Salt Lake City or up in Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon. You might even be in Kalamazoo or Walla Walla, Washington. You're thinking, what's going on here in approved apparition? How come I didn't hear about it? Well, that's part of our mission to let people know about it. And it's true. It's kind of our Lourdes or our Guadalupe or our Fatima. And uh, I think there's going to be more than 2,000 people who have signed up or more who are going to walk. You can do all 21 miles or you can do 14 or you can do seven or you can do. It's very, very well organized. And the staff that's been working on it, Pat Depre and Tom Schmidt, they've got a website up there. You can find out all about it. And they have water every water and porta potties every two miles, food every seven miles. They have uh, traveling, you know, um, uh, medical help in case you need it. They've got a bus in the background in case you can't uh, finish the walk. And it's just very, very well organized. At the end, we'll have a beautiful mass with Bishop David Ricken at the shrine at 5.15 p.m. And Rollin Radio broadcasts that and we'll live stream it across our digital properties. But it goes back to a custom that arose in the Christian countries of Europe during the month of May to walk out to some shrine of our Blessed Mother and pray the rosary there. Maybe bring your flowers, maybe light a candle, maybe consecrate your family yourself to Our Lady, but during the month of May. So in Rome, they walk out of Rome south to the shrine of Divino Amore, which is divine love. Or if you're in the eastern part of the country, you might walk for two days to the shrine of Our Lady of Loretto. In mid-August in Poland, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, walk for days to Our Lady Cheskahova. They do that at Lourdes. They do it at Fatima. They do it in Guadalupe, in Mexico, here in the United States. We invite people to uh, learn this beautiful custom. And uh, so I'll be out there. You know, I plan to walk it again. I encourage you to read the directions so that you bring a couple extra pairs of socks, maybe put a little mole skin on on your toes so they don't get blisters and bring your um, suntan lotion. But it's it's a beautiful beautiful Christian custom. And it, and it goes right to the core of a lot of our challenges in this country. You know, to get out, get off the couch, get outside, get away from the TV, unplug from electronics, make yourself vulnerable to the elements, right? And trust in God, be out there with other people, talk, pray, you know, just completely disrupt your weekend schedule and do something just for God. And, um, it's really amazing, inspiring to see how many people come. In fact, two years ago, there's a big a group of youngsters from uh, University of Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if it was the Madison location or Oshkosh location, but I know one of these years, Father Eric Nielsen is going to bring like 2,000 students from the St. Paul Center. Aren't you, Father Eric? Um, you got to do it at a time other than exam week. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's always an excuse. I just got some oxen. I got to see it. I just get married. And there's always an excuse. You can do it. In fact, the people who came a couple of years ago, I said, aren't you in exams? He said, that's why we're here. We're here praying for our exams. A different kind you of cramming. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, Father All right, Rocky, next year I'll bring, I'll bring 100 for you, Rocky. Good. I like that. Father Rocky, what what's personally your favorite part of the walk to Mary? Finishing it. <laughs> you do the you do the full twenty one. I tried to. Yeah, I've done it. Uh, okay. You know, um, a couple of years I couldn't do it because either it was a wedding or it was a funeral. Okay. Um, but um, you know, start is really beautiful. Everybody's there in the National Shrine of Saint Joseph. You know, on a Saturday morning, it's crisp, it's clear, and uh, you think, wow, you know, this is not usual. Hundreds and hundreds of people on a Saturday morning, and they're about to walk. I saw one family walk a couple of years ago, and they had a special needs son in a stroller, and there were about seven of them, and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. This, this family's going to walk the whole thing, right? And it's great to see the families out there. 
uh, kids of every age and size. And you see people from all over. You know, you see the Polish from Chicago. You see the Mexicans from Chicago. You see real Africans from the Twin Cities. I mean, we're talking real Africans, right? right. They're, they're really tall and they're, they're dressed to the nines, right, with the colorful outfits and all that. And the one who I met one year, um, she had finished work at midnight. She's, on a, she's a nurse at a hospital. Drove over here, arrived at 6, walked all day, and then drove back. Oh, my. These are tough people. Wow. Is that wow. amazing? Yeah, that really is. Yeah, and they have prayer intentions and all that. So that's a great thing to do. Hey, it's also nice that it uh, it has the tie into St. Joseph, not just with the shrine, but it's the mm-hmm. Feast of St. Joseph on May 1st this year. So you get kind of a double whammy there with yeah, that's the two people thing. from the Holy Family. How about that? You know, it's a nice connection. Yeah, it fits very well that way. So we're completely dependent on God's providence for the weather, but every year it's been good. And I encourage people, if uh, if this is on your heart, come on up to the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. Go to the website, walktomary.com. Find out all about it. And God bless you. All right. Hey, thanks for stopping by, thanks, Father. Josh. Thank and you, Father Eric. Again, you did a great job there at the <laughs> university. I want to also mention that you can listen and join Father Rocky with your prayer intentions tonight at 7 p.m. Central and every night at 7 on the Family Rosary Across America. Thanks again, Father. Thanks, Josh. Good to talk with you. All right. Again, we want to uh, encourage you, if you want to sign up for that, walktomary.com is that website that Father mentioned, walktomary.com. You can find all the information there, and uh, even when I was looking at the website, they had uh, some additional information about how they'll have things spaced out, how they'll have some of the distancing because of the COVID pandemic that we're still hopefully getting on the very tail end of that. But uh, you can read more about it at that website, walktomary.com. Now, continuing our conversation about an examination of conscience and how we can look with those spiritual glasses, look in our lives. And uh, Father Eric, right before the break, you were talking about how when we look at our conscience, um, it's a... It's a matter of intellect, not so much feelings. The feelings can help inform us on certain things, but it's a matter of intellect. And uh, you even mentioned uh, something that Pope Benedict had said. Uh, I, I wanted to go back to that just for a moment, because I think some people will try and use that idea of following their conscience, especially when it is more reliant on feelings, as a way to rationalize or justify behavior that goes against the moral teaching of the church, or even just natural moral teaching. Um, But that's where we can get into those dangerous waters. And it's what Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI called that dictatorship of relativism. Uh, The truth is the truth, and we can't use our conscience as a way of stepping around or avoiding the truth. my my take on this, the, the, as I've been reflecting, is our conscience should always lead us to truth, not help us avoid it. Well, our conscience—I mean, there is a subjective element to conscience because your con—you know, you you're you're the only one that has an effect, the ultimate decision on what action you should do and what you shouldn't do. Okay. And so it, I, I would make the analogy: it's kind of like driving through a city, right? Your conscience is telling you what you need, how fast you should drive, um, where you should turn, what you should avoid. That's your decision, right? But you're not the one who has the ability to make up what the traffic rules are. The traffic rules are have been set by the city. You know what a red light means, what a green light means, um, and it's and you have an obligation as a person to learn what those rules are. You know when I go to Germany and drive in Germany. 
Germany, I learned the, the rules of driving in Germany. I just can't say I just use my conscience, right? Now, we might choose for greater good to avoid certain laws, like let's say I've got a man bleeding to death in the back of the car, and you know maybe I'm going to skirt some of the laws for a higher purpose, right? And so my conscience tells me that that's okay. You know, and in the same way, our conscience analyzes what the rules are that have been given me by the world and by the church, and we use these rules in order to do what is right. You know, we don't want, in other words, we don't want to let the state dictate what's right and wrong, Sure. ultimately. Now, the thing is, is we can never do evil, and that the fundamental bottom line is, you know, I can't commit murder, I can't lie, I can't steal. So the Ten Commandments pretty much delineate to us the things that we obviously cannot do. And in places where it's a little stickier, you know, we, we need guidance. You know, is this lying? You know, is this, um, is this stealing? You know, is this murder? And the church offers that guidance. And so in a, in a, in a difficult situation, you know, you'll, you'll go to a, an intelligent man or your priest and say, look, I'm in this, I'm in this difficult situation, Father. And what the, what the priest will do, he'll delineate to you, you know, what the rules are so you have a clearer understanding of them. But in the end, it, it'll probably be your conscience that determines the right course of action. So that's what it, that's what we mean by having it, you know, following your conscience. Right. Yeah. That can you're talking about some of those areas where it can be a tough decision, and I think that's where most of us, at least for me, I will come to those places and say, "Well, I think this is the right way to go," but there is, you know, there's some nuance to it, and as you say, it can be subjective just because the. The situation that I'm in might not be the situation that somebody else was in. Um, it, you also mentioned the the Ten Commandments, and maybe that's a good place to go next because there are different forms to follow when we're doing an examination of conscience, but I think the most popular I've seen, at least, is uh, different variations of walking through the Ten Commandments. Is that the best approach, or are there other formats that you think are as good or, or maybe even better? Well, I think you want to, as far as making an examination of conscience, I think we should follow whatever works for us. There's pretty much, um, there's, there's probably three, I would say, you know, good ways of doing examination of conscience at the end of the night. You know, one of them is to, you know, just grab a, you know, a, a well-written examination of conscience that's, you know, been written, you know, by the USCCB or by, you know, your pastor. There's plenty of them online. You can just go through that. Another good way is to just go through your day step by step, just review the day, especially highlighting in your mind the interactions that you had with other people. Because, you know, that's generally where we go wrong, right? The, 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 the fundamental commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor, right? So, you know, that's usually where we mess up. You know, and then maybe to look at our duty, you know, how did I fulfill my duty today as a wife, as a husband, as a father, as an employee, as an employer, you know, just to see how you did that with the various people that you met throughout the day. And then maybe the third way is, um, what's called a particular examine, where you have one thing that you're particularly looking at. Like, let's say you've been having a hard time not, you know, gossiping about um, a situation at work with all sorts of other people at work. You know, it's like it's the, everybody knows about this situation. Everybody 
close to talking about it, and you're at the center of it, and you're talking about it all the time. So then, you know, I'm just going to do a particular exam, and at the end of the day, you know, did I fall prey to that? How many times and when did I do it? So I would say those are kind of like the three basic ways of doing an examination of conscience, and one should just pick the one that feels that works the best for you at any given time in your life. Okay. Now, with that particular examination of conscience, we're focusing on that one area in your life that you know, okay, this is where I really need to spend some time. I need to introduce some discipline into my life. I need to, you know, ask for more grace from the Holy Spirit to be able to um, you know, grow in that holiness and and be able to put that sin behind me, hopefully. Uh, can you help kind of maybe give some guidance there so that we we want to address the sin, but maybe we don't fall into scrupulosity, we don't get so uh, involved in the minute details that we don't allow ourselves to progress? Yeah, I would say that scrupulosity really, at least in my experience as a confessor, Scrupulosity only becomes a problem if people see mortal sin where there is not mortal sin. Um, because if you think you've committed mortal sin, um, that can really you know, frighten you and you know, turn you away from God. And it can kind of really, and if you're afraid of committing mortal sin, it kind of freezes your action. You know, because I'm, I'm so afraid of committing mortal sin, I'm, all, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay in my room. You know, I'm not going to go to this party. I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a date with a guy or whatever the case may be because I, you know, I'm not going to give my niece a hug. You know, I'm just so afraid I might commit a mortal sin. And so I, I would say as long as somebody doesn't have that type of scrupulosity, um, would that people were a little bit more scrupulous, tell you the truth. People usually, you know, because usually we're either lax or we're scrupulous and we want to try to find that golden mean and most people these days are lax right and so and I think we want to make a uh, make a distinction between a scrupulous conscience and a sensitive conscience right mm -hmm. now a sensitive conscience is a, is a person who um, is aware of their sins now again you can be scrupulous here where you see sin where there is no sin but as long as you're only seeing venial sin where there's no venial sin that, at least in my experience that that's not debilitating and it's scrupulous, you know, it's scrupulous to see sin where there's no sin. But if you're only seeing venial sin where there's not venial sin, it doesn't really hold you back that much, personally. At least that's my experience as a spiritual director. But when you look at a sensitive conscience, a sensitive conscience is seeing small things that we commit. You know, it says in Scripture, the just man sins seven times a day. And we're always doing little things that are sins. And once we start to realize that, and again, we, we when we look at our sinfulness, we always want to see our sinfulness in the light of God's mercy, right? Um, so if we have this image of ourselves that I'm this perfect person has to do all these perfect things in order for, for God to love me, in order for me to be happy, well, then an examination of conscience can be a rather traumatic experience, right? But if I realize I have a loving Father who loves me, who gives me mercy, that my venial sins, while well, things I want to overcome, you know, every time I use holy water, all my venial sins are forgiven, it doesn't mean we don't go to confession with them, but that's a whole different story we could get into later, Josh, if you want to. But, you know, venial sins are easily forgiven. Um, and so then I'm not afraid to look at them really closely. You know, my wife came home, and um, I just didn't give her a smile. I just kept doing what I was doing. I should have looked up at her, gave her a smile, and said, Honey, you know, good to see, you know, how are you doing? Um, you know, I was at work, and, you know, I just, um, for a couple minutes, I just went on this... Um, you know, Facebook page and just wasted a little time when I when I should have been I should have been working.
Um, you know, when my alarm clock got off this morning, instead of getting out of bed right away, I just kind of rolled over and, you know, I just took an extra seven minutes of just being lazy, you know, and all that stuff, you know, those are, those are sins. You know, you might, you might think, well, what's seven minutes rolling over my bed? Well, that was seven less minutes that you had to be praising God. That's, that, you know, that probably set you behind and getting your lunch ready or whatever the case may be. So I'd say you can't be sensitive enough in looking at the little things that we, we do each day. Yeah, we just well, yeah, the, Jess, go ahead. yeah. The other thing I was thinking here too is as you're talking about uh, the difference between scrupulosity and having that sensitive conscience, it's also uh, striking for me, at least, that I want to I want to make sure that when I do review, especially if I'm doing that particular examine. If I'm really focusing on that one area in my life I want to improve on, I don't want to let it get me down if I keep on having little failures along the way. Because as you mentioned, you know, the, the venial sins are so easily forgiven. You know, we want to take them to confession, but it's not even required to walk into the confessional. And those can be absolved there uh, by uh, crossing ourselves with holy water at the, at the beginning of the Mass during the penitential rite. There's those opportunities where God's grace and forgiveness is so rich. And so we don't want to get caught up in the, well, I've, I've, I've done wrong again. I've, I've just messed up again. I, I you know, just can't seem to get it right. We want to be able to move forward and not hold ourselves back when we do end up saying, well, it's still an area I'm working on. I would say that my experience when I have a particular exam and I'm really doing a particular exam well is how feeble I'm at. I, I actually try to do it. So, you know, if you pick a particular exam, my experience is you get worse at it. And I think you, you get, get worse, worse at it because... That's, yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's you know, not very encouraging. But I think the, 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 the deal, the, how, you, how you combat that is, you know, it's your pride. It's pride that makes you feel sad when you see your own sinfulness and get discouraged by it. And so if you get discouraged at seeing, it your, own, seeing your own sinfulness, if you get sad when you see your own sinfulness, you're not going to advance very far in the spiritual life. <laughs> because it's kind of like, you know, a quarterback gets up there and he says, you know, I just really get, I really get down on myself when you throw an interception. Well, dude, if you get down on yourself every time you throw in, or like even better, basketball players, like, you know, I really get down when I miss a shot. Well, if you get down when you miss a shot, you know, you better get out the basketball court because you're going to be missing shots right and left, right? And so, or a baseball, even better is a baseball hitter. You know, a baseball hitter, baseball player, you know, if, he, if he's hitting 25% of the balls, he's, you know, he feels good about himself, right? Right. And so we just have to realize we're, we're going to fail, and we're going to fail miserably. And in our failure, we just have to humble ourselves and kind of laugh at our feebleness and realize our feebleness and just, you know, just use it as an opportunity to reach out to God and say, Lord, look how feeble I am. You know, I just, I just need your mercy. And um, now what you could do, you know, with your particular exam is, you know, maybe just you're working on this particular exam for three months and, you know, you're not going anywhere with it. Well, fine. They you know to talk to your spiritual director and change it. Or, you know, if it is something that's just really daunting, well, you know, maybe there's another one that's better for you to work on that you can actually make progress on. Because, you know, Josh, as you do point out, if you don't see some progress in the spiritual life, um, it, it can be discouraging. 
But I'll tell you the way progress in the spiritual life works. I don't know if you've ever had this experience driving in the mountains, but when you drive in a, on a mountain road and it's not that steep, you know, you're driving on this road, it, it kind of looks like it's level. But suddenly you look out the rearview mirror or you look behind and you say, wow, you know, we've really climbed up a, a good portion here. Or even walking, like walk, you know, walking up a path, you just feel like you're not going anywhere. But then you look back and you're like, wow, we've really, we really climbed up. And so in the spiritual life, as you're looking at where you are and as you look to where you want to go, you know, as you say, Josh, it can get a little discouraging. But if you're like, wow, where was I a year ago? And you kind of think, wow, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was a year ago. Mm, I love and, that image. Um, yeah, that, 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 that gentle incline. That should give you encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Father Eric Nielsen is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, talking about examination of conscience. How has doing a regular examination of conscience for yourself, how has it helped you to be more aware of those areas in your life where you need to put in that extra effort, where you need to say, oh, this is, this is something I need to work on? Has doing that regular exam and has it helped you be more disciplined in avoiding sin, in growing in holiness? We'd love to hear how that has worked in your life. And you can call our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue the conversation here in just a minute on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and talking about examination of conscience. How uh, has that examination of conscience in your own life, how has it helped you be able to be more disciplined in avoiding sin, in being able to grow in holiness. Uh, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about an examination of conscience, and you have some questions about it. You're welcome to give us a call. The studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email your questions or your comments to innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And Father Eric, let's go to Paul right now. Paul is listening out on the Central Coast in California. Hi, Paul. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Yeah, a few years ago, um, I went to my first retreat with Amelie's Christie down in Oceanside, and uh, it's a male, all-silent all retreat over the weekend. And uh, I have to say that that experience, plus the follow-up, which includes a daily uh, examine, has really improved my ability to see that I'm a sinner. In fact, I wasn't a sinner before I went to the retreat, but now I'm a sinner. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, life is much better. And I feel very fortunate because the parishes around me have confession available on a daily basis. And when you're working on that, I mean, I've gone into confession and say my last confession was Monday and it's Wednesday. You know, I mean, it's that's the only way you get improvement in my life. 
Wow, that's great. That's that's something that up pretty well. I'm glad you. Uh, the, I was a sinner. I wasn't a sinner. Now I am. So, uh, anything particular happened on that retreat, or was this a good examination of conscience? No, I, and we've we've done the retreat a couple of times. It's a men's retreat, and uh, we do that. Uh, what is it? Uh, the Jesuits uh, program. Um, where you do the, the 30 hours, it's only supposed to be 30 days, I think. And okay, yeah. That's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Paul, and for giving your perspective. And, uh, you know, Father Eric, as Paul's talking there, just taking those spiritual blinders off, sometimes, you know, I it, it actually made me think of the story of King David and Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet ends up coming in, and he tells this story to David of this shepherd who has this little lamb and somebody else comes in who has this whole flock of sheep and decides, I'm going to steal this little lamb for myself, this little lamb that this person has cared for and, and uh, you know, uh, just had. It's the only little lamb that they have. And as Nathan is telling this story, King David gets more and more upset and he finally demands at the end of this story, uh, you know, hearing that this person who has so many sheep comes in, steals, kills the, the little lamb, um, and then King David says, I, I can't believe that this would happen. Who is this person? And then Nathan says, it's you. You are that man. Uh, you're the one who stole from um, this other man his wife. And that's where David ends up saying, ah, okay, now I'm confronted with my sin. He, he just wanted to be blind to it up until that point, you know, and, and had done some really awful things. You know, it wasn't just the lust. It wasn't just the committing adultery. There was the trying to hide it and then uh, finally ending up in murder of Bathsheba's husband. And so being able to have somebody who helps us realize that sin, I, you, you, you mentioned it as, you know, go to your spouse, let them tell you. <laughs> but, but even going to that retreat that Paul's talking about, um, it can be really powerful to have somebody uh, point out something to us. Um, it also is one of those moments where hopefully if the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, we're going to receive it well and not just get more angry. Yeah, I guess that's um, that's the first thing is you we have to be willing to um, look at it, and you know we don't really smell our own body odor, and so sometimes it's very hard to see our own sinfulness, and so we we have to go go first of all with that humility. You know, I'm willing to, to allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten my heart on what I'm doing that is sinful, and that can be very scary. And we just have to realize that we're going to a very merciful, loving God. You know, when you go to Jesus to ask him to reveal your sinfulness, it'd be like going to the world's smartest doctor, and he asks you, you know, what do you have wrong with your body? You know, you'd want to tell him everything, right? Because he's the world's best doctor. You wouldn't be embarrassed. Well, so it is with Jesus. He's the world's best doctor. And he's the doctor of your soul. And so you want to go to him and, and just open up your, yourself to him completely. And really ask for that grace to see the things that you that you don't see. Um, you know, one of the things that you could kind of ask yourself too is, you know, what makes me most angry in other people? Because usually, you know, whatever drives you nuts in other people, there there's something about you that's not quite right that causes that to happen. 
Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Uh, let's go back to Carmen in Kissimmee, Florida. Hi, Carmen. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good afternoon to both of you. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, Carmen. My qu- and I just wanted to point out that I loved your um, explanation on the scrupulosity and the sensitive conscious. That's it's just a very interesting um, way of, of you know of explaining it. But my question was, um, it comes from a conversation I had with my sister this weekend about her brother-in-law behaving as a true narcissist and. Um, her question just made me uh, have also an examination of consciousness. I'm sure she was examining her own consciousness too, because we were feeling very, very sad, and we wanted to help this uh, this man who happens not to show any consciousness in his behavior. So uh, the question is: Do narcissists have examinations of conscious? Since they say that the narcissist does not have a conscious, but they do have intellect. So would that be considered, you know, would their behavior or their actions be considered, um, you know, would they be consciously doing their behaviors or doing these things? Um, Yeah, I think you have to make a distinction between a narcissist and a sociopath, right? A sociopath doesn't feel anything when they do something evil. Um, And yes, sociopaths definitely have a conscience. They know they're doing evil. They just don't feel bad about it, right? But they know they're doing evil. A narcissist um, often is a sociopath. I don't know if they exactly overlap, but, you know, a narcissist, I mean, could have very deep feelings over doing evil. It's just that they don't see evil where it truly exists. They see some evil, but it's hard for them to see evil that is based on things. And again, I'm not a psychologist based on things that affect them. In other words, um, a narcissist's life revolves around them. So um, their their understanding of personal evil is very truncated because they have an inability to see how their actions affect other people. And so even though they might be able to feel the evil they do, their understanding of evil is very limited. And so a nar- it's just the trouble with the narcissist is their examination of conscience is not very expanded. They're not going to be able to see that their action is actually was evil because they think it's justified by their own personal experience. And from what I hear, in order to overcome narcissism, you have to be truly dedicated, and it takes many years, many years. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, if somebody is struggling with that in their life, um, you mentioned it earlier in the program, Father Eric, those interactions that we have with other people, if we can just even take a look at how did I interact with others in my life? That that's a good starting point, as you pointed out, just to be able to say, okay, you know, how how was my interaction with the people at work, with the people, um, you know, in my family, you know, my wife or my husband, my kids, my mom, my dad, whoever it might be. If we're able to have that that little reflection there on our interactions with others, that that's going to help us out to where if we worry, am, am, am I too narcissistic? Well, we all probably are, right, Father? But at least uh, it, it'll give us a, a good place to start. 
Yeah, I think it's not so much that we're not, we all have narcissistic tendencies. We're not, a narcissist is incapable of right. seeing how their actions, you know, we're, we have that capability. It's just that we're, we're, we're not good at it, right? We can get better. We can get better. Or we can, it. yeah. So. Exactly. Well, Father, um, one last question for you here, because we're down to just the last couple minutes in the hour. If somebody wanted to go and look um, at one of the saints out there, or maybe a couple of saints that you might recommend that have some good thoughts, good uh, things that somebody could read in regards to performing, going through that examination of conscience, where would you direct them? I would, you know, I'd start with St. Maria. Because St. Josemaria was very big on the daily examine. Um, he was very big on the particular examine. And he had a great love for the sacrament of confession. And you can just go to the way, which is the book I would recommend everybody having. Um, it's a simple book with um, over 900 little easy points to read and meditate on. Um, I mean, St. Josemaria would have been great on Twitter. I think everything he said in the way you could put a, you can put on a Twitter feed in one, right. one, one tweet. And um, just go to the, his chapter on examination of conscience, and you'll read a, a whole number of points there to um, to uh, pretty much that it, much be, well, which would say pretty much everything I just said today, only um, in, in a much more concise, clear, and more factual way. Yeah, I've actually been working my way through that book here over the last uh, couple months, and it's one of those things. I think in the introduction, the reason I, I've been very slowly going through it, I think in the introduction, whoever did the introduction said uh, that St. Jose Maria, or maybe it was another member of Opus Dei, suggested, don't just try and read through and plow through it. Just spend some time reflecting on one, two, three of the little items that St. Jose Maria has in there. So um, that would be another thing I would recommend because I've been very much enjoying it in my own life. Father Eric, we're down to about our last minute here, and I really appreciate you being on the program. If you're listening today and missed any part of the earlier conversation, you can always go back and listen to uh, the full program on our podcast at RelevantRadio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. But in this last about uh, 30 seconds here, Father, could I ask you to offer our listeners a final blessing? Sure. May I bless and may God to the intercession of our Lady and St. Joseph come down upon you. My Lord, in his mercy, protect you from all evil, strengthen your heart, and give you a beautiful enlightenment of your own conscience. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Eric, for being our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass that is next here on Relevant Radio. Father Rocky is the celebrant. And if uh, you missed the novena at the beginning of the hour, we're continuing to pray that novena to St. Joseph at 11 a.m. Central here, uh, beginning of the inner life leading up to this Saturday. If you have any intentions that you would like included, you can always email them, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Have a blessed day. Relevant Radio. I'm a millennial. I'm the father of three girls, uh, my wife, and we're just glad to hear every day. We're always praying for you uh, every day at a Rosie Across America with Father Rocky. Listener supported. Relevant Radio. We give hope to people. People are desperately in need of hope these days. And I want to thank all of our listeners for your generosity. It's absolutely extraordinary. And for your prayers and your encouragement. We can't do it without you. All of us are in this together. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.